Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Venes, and every week I sit down for a 40-minute conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. On today's episode, I'm joined by cat behavior expert, host of Animal Planet's My Cat from Hell, and co-founder of Jackson Galaxy's Cat Camp, Jackson Galaxy, where I ask him, how can I be a better cat parent? And how can I get others into being cat people too? Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and I am so excited. I am almost too excited if there was such a thing for this week's episode because we have none other than the host of My Cat from Hell on Animal Planet. He is a best-selling author on cat behavior. He runs... Well, actually, I don't want to say what he runs because it'll give away who it is, but he runs this incredible cat camp every year that's usually in real life, but this year it's going to be virtual because obviously COVID-19, but without any further ado, as Kathy Dooley would say, welcome to the show, Jackson Galaxy! Hey, how are you? Oh my God, I'm so good, so let me tell you something. Is it accurate to say that I discovered you in 2015? Your YouTube's been around that long, right? I've been around since like... 2009. Oh my God, if you great. Because I wanted to say um, 2012, but then I was afraid that you were going to be like, oh, it didn't start till 2015. So then I lied and said 2015 because really it was 2012. It feels like, yeah, it feels like a lifetime. Well, I was, I accidentally had impulse adopted my current um, eight, seven and a half year old cat, Harry Larry, from the West LA Animal Shelter on Pico Boulevard. And I already right had like a seven year old and I, it, it all happened so fast. I didn't even wake up realizing I was going to get a second cat, but it, it happened. And so then I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to introduce them? And then that's when I found you on YouTube. And I've been talking about you to all my clients and frankly, anyone that would listen ever since. Because oh my God, that's amazing. Honestly, like all my cats have really gotten along because of that literal like how to introduce cats video. So um, I just like love you so much. And thank you so much for teaching me about cats. Uh-huh. I am thank personally you. going through so much cat stuff right now. Um, yeah. But I want to talk about that later because uh, I, I do have four cats. Um, but you you um, host my cat from hell on Animal Planet. You're like really such an expert on cats. So I would love to just start off by asking you, how did you start? Like, were you just minding your own business one day when you were little and you were like, I am obsessed with cats? <laughs> you know, you would think, right? You would think uh, that I was like that, that, like that four-year-old, mommy, the cat talked to me kind of, you know, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't have cats when I was a kid. Yeah. Dogs. You know, I had cats in my life, but until I started working at an animal shelter, which was in, uh, 1993 that I suddenly, because I was surrounded by them and they all sort of picked me at the same time, they would follow me around and they would, you know, and all of my coworkers made fun of me. And it was one of those like, okay, we're killing a lot of cats here. And if there's anything that I'm going to be able to do to stop that from happening, let's go. And I just figured it out from there. So every episode of Getting Curious is a question. And so kind of this question that I was thinking about when we realized we were going to get to have a chance to interview you is, um, is how can I be a better cat parent and how can I make other people become cat people too? Which that's what I was saying was interesting about that story because you yourself have like, you know, lived through the transition of like not really considering yourself a cat person to being in fact a full-fledged cat person. So I love that story. And I just find no shame in being a cat person. I love it. I think I don't really like some of these misconceptions that like surround being a cat parent. You know, I think we're really fabulous and we're just so much fun. 
and cats are so interesting and smart. So, you know, what gives? But so you kind of come into it in the mid nineties, which also, you know, 1993 was a great year. Well, other than the flood, but that was the first year that Shannon Miller won an individual all around world gymnastics uh, gold medal. So I that feel was, totally validated now. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was a big year. So people yeah. were busy. So, so what happened? So you're at this, you're working at a, a kill, like a kill animal shelter and mm-hmm. which is heartbreaking to think about. Tell mm-hmm. me about that. I mean, this was 93. We were killing, as a country, we were killing, oh, I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood of nine to 10 million cats and dogs every year. Um, And I mean, that's where we were at. Uh, And the miracle is that because our education uh, thrust has been so strong over the past 20 years, spaying and neutering, adopting, not shopping, all that stuff. We're down under a million now. We're in the neighborhood of about 800,000, which is still significant, but it's not anywhere near where we were. But anyway, I, I, we had to do it back then. There was no such thing as, I mean, anybody who was claiming no kill and listen to a certain degree, not to get all weirdly, oddly political at the, the moment, people who do claim no kill in big cities, let's face it. Someone else has to do it still. And, and you, you know, so there's still the, the no kill thing is still, you know, but we had to do it. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, for me, it was about uh, what's my part to, so that I, we as a community can, can slow this down. And we did. So after joining this animal shelter and the, your first animal shelter, you realize that like your calling is in cat rescue, cat behavior, kind of improving the light lives of cats everywhere. Like you realize it's your calling. Yeah. And, and also in the middle of that advocacy, because it, but to your original point, and we'll get to this, I'm sure, but the whole concept of how do we make more cat parents in the world? That's, that was the uphill battle then. It's still an uphill battle now. And, and, uh, yeah, that's been my job is to show the joy of cats. I know that's oddly weird because I have a show where I get beat up by cats, but you know, we make up for it. Well, there is so much joy in cats. And I think that like there's also just like so many misconceptions. And you know, I always like, like that saying of like, you know, comparison is the thief of all joy. And I think that like when we're always comparing like the personalities and the traits of like dogs versus cats, it kind of just creates this like unfair narrative of like, you know, ooh, how are cats? How are people? How are dogs? I don't know. I just think it's kind of like false equivalences. And it's not like we're definitely up against like bigger problems in the world. But I do feel like, um, it's, and they're just like not really to be, you know, compared. And I also grew up being obsessed with cats. Well, it, actually, let's back up. Obsessed with any furry animal that wasn't like, you know, obviously snakes and spiders aren't furry, but like those scared me. But like any like, give me a guinea pig, give me a ferret, give me a rat, give me a dog, give me a cat, give me like a furry teddy bear-esque sort of wet nose. And like, I want to kiss it. Even probably like a raccoon, like, cause their little noses are so, like, I love like a wet little nose on an animal. Like I always have, but theoretically, I think this is one reason why cats are so misunderstood. Here's my theory. Ready? Ready? It's also the theory of why all the cats were obsessed with you in the shelter. 
Every time I've ever saw a cat growing up, my first instinct was to run as fast as I can for the cat, get it from out from under the bed, hold it like a baby, keep its head really still and like kiss its nose, put my nose on its nose, tell the cat how much I love it. Like, cause I just do like, I literally love them so much. Like I've never seen anything as cute as like a fucking cat. Like every time I see one, I'm just like, holy shit, you're so fucking precious. I love you so much. And so needless to say, like cats have never really liked me because you know my instinct was to you know rush them get all up in their face so the first cat that ever fell in love with me was my first cat bug the first and that's because i found him under the hood of a car and i heard like well my friend and i heard this like screaming baby so i thought we thought it was like underneath the hood of this car but really it was like a like fit in the palm of your hand kitten and i couldn't find its mom anywhere and i really just think that it needed like a house and like I didn't come to it, it came to me. And then like, and then because that cat picked me and also kind of like hated every other person. Like, it's just like, like that cat picked me. So I feel like it's like cats have to pick you. Not so, uh, and whereas like dogs like kind of are more down with anyone not to like, you know, generalize all the animals because they're all are different. But I just feel like if you don't really like come for a cat, they'll probably like you more. But if you try to like give it too much attention and stuff, then they, they're like, ew, stop giving me so much attention. Is that true? That's totally true. Yeah, no, it's totally true. And I I mean, and again, like you said, it's hard to generalize. Uh, You know, every time I put out a video that I'm like, cats will do this. And I don't say those words that, but your cat might. I get this flood of people saying, my cat loves to have his, you know, do like, you know, I don't know, belly farts on his belly. I I, I mean, every cat's different. That said, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't think about it. Step away from the cat. <laughs> You're like perfect. So they don't ever. So they don't ever like it when you kiss their little tum tummies. But that's what I'm saying is that there's somebody, and I've got one at home. My my little Mowgli. I can do anything. He's like he's just like a, he's a little dog, a little like a boa. Like he just whatever you want to do to him. But that's it. You have to ask permission. Once they say yes, then go to town. Uh, but we love but consent. Animals, people, dogs, everybody. We're obsessed with consent. Literally our favorite thing. So I never used that word. That's brilliant. brilliant. Yes, cat kids. Consent. So, cat so what consent. are some Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of like the biggest misconceptions? Because huh. you've you know, you've been like a cat behaviorist, you know, observer slash expert since you know, Shannon Miller's first individual all-around title, 1993, been learning and growing ever since then. So in your opinion, dealing with, you know, cat parents, cat people, cats, non, you know, non-cat species, non-cat fans, or cat fans, what are, like, the biggest misconceptions about cats? I mean, my go-to is that cats are not dogs, and you've already said it. But the thing is, I, I think that... Because they have four legs for the most part and, and they're covered with fur for the most part, they, that's where it ends. They're completely different species with different stories, with different timelines, with different connections to humans. I mean, if you think about it, in the 10,000 plus years that humans have been with cats, that we've been with them to some degree or another, we really didn't bring them into our homes in a predictable way until, I don't know, 120, 130 years ago, and just in a predictable way. So to call them domesticated at this point is probably 
not true. And with dogs, we made them really, right? We made them to be ours. We did? Where did dogs come from then? They like we went into we got some wolves and like how do we make dogs? I mean I mean, it's a different podcast, but what happened? Well, and that's a different podcast guest, I guess. But what I'm what I'm thinking is that, and what I know is that it was selective breeding. We pick the friendliest of the wolves, uh, the ones that are more drawn towards us. We breed those. The ones who are much more quote unquote wolfy. Um, no, we don't. And and over time, it was more like I need this being to do work for me. I need, I need, I need someone to do a job for me. And by the way, you can be my buddy in the same time. And then over thousands and thousands of years, we made the dog. Yeah. Of course they have wolf in them way back there, but we, but right now, really the biggest motivator for dogs is, is our consent is, is our, like they just need to please. That's part of them now. Cats, nah. It's not part of them. We didn't mess with cats. Cats just were along for the ride because they did a job naturally. They hunted, they killed, they kept uh, mice and rats from pooping in our food. We were like, stick around. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Come on. And that was it. That was the ride for, for so many thousands of years until we started breeding. But did Egyptians ever have pet kittens? I always felt like they had pet cats and like they loved cats or not well, so no, much. I mean, it was more sort of a royalty thing. Um, remember that there was a cat goddess in Egypt. Bastet was mm-hmm. a goddess. And so uh, the manifestation of cat was the manifestation of God. So, yes, royalty were buried in their in their tombs with cats. Uh, cats were mummified. But that was like a glitch. You know what I mean? Like it didn't, cats for the most part have been villainized a hell of a lot more than they were like worshipped, you know? I mean, we burned them at the stake with witches. We blamed them. We did? You didn't know that? Black cats. No. Black cats were burned at the stake with witches. Cats were blamed for the freaking black plague, which is hilarious because it was really the rats that were carrying the plague. We blamed the cats and tried to kill them off. Um, we have, we have demon, we're demonizing them now. I mean, we're, we're, we, we kill feral cats by the gobs. We, either we ignore them or we treat them like pests because they're crapping in our yard at certain countries, uh, are murdering them by the millions. Uh, you know, cats, if you don't understand it, you want to kill it, right? That, that pretty much, it, that pretty much encompasses Everything about humans that is, uh, yeah, not great. Bread box size cats, like little baby cats, like the ones that we think of now, have really only been messing with humans for like 130 years. But they've been in existence for like thousands and thousands, no, 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 right? No. Like I little mean, been, bitty baby been cats. With us, right? We 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 use them as mousers on farms, on boats to colonize new countries, so that we wouldn't die because of uh, you know uh, eating poop. But in terms of companions, yeah, it's a it's a fairly new phenomenon when you think of the the, the enormity of the timeline. But yeah, no, I, I think from the second we decided this cat belongs with me in my home, then we got mad at them. I mean, what do you? Th- I mean, 
The second we were like, no, you're going to shit in this box and then you're not going to scratch this and you're not going to, because we were expecting them to be dogs. We were expecting them to listen when we talked to them or yelled at them or, uh, or, or you know uh, what I mean? And they're, it's not even in their makeup to do that. So then if you flash forward now, we call them willful. We call them aloof. We call them, you know, obstinate when they just have no idea what it is that you're trying to get across when you try to order them to do things like a dog, you know? Oh, so really we need to like learn how to speak cat. Exactly. And that has been my job more than anything else. Because if you think about why cats were surrendered to the shelter and still are and mass, it's because of that lack of understanding. It's because we think when your cat pisses in your shoe, that it's because the cat hates you. You know, and, and, and so you go, you know, you hate me. I hate you. You know, screw you. Go to the shelter. Go in the street. That it sounds really simplistic, but it's totally true. And I'm talking, you know, I've been around the block and I'm, it's never changed. It's never changed. There's just this, this, I don't know, dogification of cats that like has caused a lot of, of misery. So what are some of the main personality trait differences that differentiate them, you know, on the whole or for someone that, you know, would be like, no, uh, Jackson, I, I disagree. I've had lots of cats and every time I set down a lighter or a breakable object, they always push it over the ledge. So actually, no, cats are assholes no matter what. Like, no, I'm just kidding because I'm obsessed with that. No, I love that they do that. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. what are some of like the biggest separations like because if a cat because like my cat Larry sometimes he's naughty and I say Larry but he kind of stops doing when I say that because I feel like he kind of knows now because he's like eight like seven you know eight but the other ones are younger they don't really I feel like they don't really get it because I haven't been saying no to them right. for like eight but, years but even if you did the the whole if we, if we think about this the thing I call the raw cat that's the ancestor that's the 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 the, the ancestor that is still talking to your cat on a daily basis, telling them what to do, which is basically hunt and catch and kill and eat and groom and sleep. And that's it. That's your life. Humans come in and they're like, what do you got to offer? That's not that. But it, that's still the, the sort of the driving force. So let's say we're talking about asshole cat, right? We're talking about cat knocking stuff off the shelves. Okay. So why do you think that is? It's not because the cat is spiteful. It's not because it's because your cat's bored. It's because you're not enriching their lives with the things that make the raw cat happy, hunting, playing, meaning, you know, and boxes, boxes, shelves, places to hide windows to sit in and watch the birds engaging the raw cat. But really, if you want to have sort of the most, quote unquote, dog-like experience with your cat, play with them interactively. You know, the wand toys where you can run around the house and be an idiot with them. It's like having a dog and not having a leash and collar. It, it's, it's that important for them to be able to just engage that raw cat every day. And then you don't have a leg to stand on when it comes to asshole cat because it's your fault, you know? <laughs> oh, I love that. And also, like, sometimes I feel like I mean, I've definitely learned to engage with my cats more over the years and make sure that I, like, put playtime into their calendar because prior to, like, meeting the kitten lady, I didn't 
really understand about like the how important like enrichment mm-hmm. is like following her on Instagram like it's like okay like enrichment like then I understood that was a thing once I started to get two cats um and then the other thing I started to learn was is that like if my cat is always biting straws and knocking over drinks like because like Larry just is obsessed with straws like don't leave full drinks with a straw on top of it, like unattended around the cat. Like if you know there are certain things that always like trigger them or make them want to play with it and you don't want them to make a mess, like it's kind of like more important for me to remember that than the cat. Cause like, and like if I, you know, don't want a breakable thing like right next to a ledge, like I don't, I just, and I feel like a lot of times people look at me like crazy, especially when I've ever like designed like a space. Cause I'm like, oh, I can't have that or that or that. Cause the cat will be hanging from it. And they're like, wow, you really design your like living space based on your cat. And it's like, mm-hmm, yeah. like I have have to or like they'll destroy everything but i don't mind it because like i love them but it's interesting ties together with humans which is i gotta be honest i mean obviously i love cats i've spent my life with them the thing that i find so engaging in another way is the fact that the human cat relationship is so fraught with roadblocks but i think one of the major ones is that we are not used to having a compromise with an animal we're used to this concept of dominion, that the world is ours and and because animals live in it, they are ours. They belong to us. Cats resist that at all turns. So that's why, we again, we call them obstinate. But the idea, successful living with cats is compromised, like any relationship. And I think that that's just something that, that people need to get on board with. And also to remember that that's not signaling some kind of failure or some kind of surrender it is a relationship and and you gotta meet in the middle if you want it to be successful and that's especially true with cats yeah and i mean even i think with dogs it's like people think like well they're just so much more loving and when you call a dog they come to you and whatever but it's like you still have to make compromises with raising a dog like whether it's going on walks or you know like you still have to learn to speak dog and i think having just adopted one a few months ago for the first time i definitely think having a dog has been more difficult than what i thought it was going to be based off of having four cats but i also think having been a cat parent for so long it took me well over like five and six years Oh my God, I hope no cat people are judging me. And I do have like guilt over bug the first because I feel like I wasn't as good of a cat parent in my 20s as I could have been because I didn't understand. But I didn't really like make the enrichment times for him. Like I didn't know. And I also like when he passed away in 2018, like I didn't know what to look for with like kidney failure and like pee and water intake. So like when that happened when he was 12, like I've... I'm going to try to get over it, but it's basically why I have like four cats because I'm just like... like my. Can I just say something really quickly though? is, Is that we've all done it. We've all, I, I lost the, the reason that I became so obsessed with cat nutrition was that when I was in my twenties, I lost my first cat, you know, to diabetes at seven years old because I fed the hell out of him because I gave him all that dry crap and I just kept feeding it to him until he got so fat at seven years old that he got diabetes and he died in a year and let me tell you, you know, from that point on, it's bec- it's how we learn. And anybody out there who's, you know, judging somebody else because of what they did not know about cats. Come on. There's no I, I, I mean, we're all still learning about them. So <laughs> totally. We're going to take a really quick break. We'll be right back with more Jackson Galaxy after this. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This By is the way, congratulations. Welcome to Dogdom. I'm, I'm happy. To, Thank happy you. To have you. 
Um, yeah, me too. Um, I love Pablo so much. He's really sweet. I really, I have so many questions about go, my own cats go, now, go. and we just have to dive in because it's, this wasn't really the intention of the, the order that I was going to go in, but I just, I have to, and I'm freaking out because my cats are really all going through a lot, and I, I have a lot of questions. Okay. And part of it is because of the dog. Um, so basically, when Bug the first died, I did this thing where I realized that, like, I could in no way, like, sit with my grief over losing a cat. So I did this thing where, like, when one cat passes away, like, I almost immediately adopt two new ones. Because, like, I just, it's I call it the Charlotte Webb rule, where, like, <laughs> if you lose one, like, you just, you get more to put in the grieving whole space of, like, the one that you lost. So, so I do that. And then I unexpectedly lost one of those two cats and like, this, like, freak devastating accident that I can't even talk about. Cause I'll, but anyway, so then that happened and I really couldn't like sit with that grief. So then like literally that same day, like I adopted the two kittens that I have that are just about one year old now. So now I have Harry Larry, who's eight. Then I have Liza Meowneli, who I got during Kansas City. That was who I got when Bug the First died. She's this really cute gray cat, but she was born with Pan Luke and she has like so many stomach issues from surviving it, but like but she survived just, it, man. That's incredible. She survived That's it. Amazing. She survived Pan Luke, but then basically, like as soon as I got her when she was like 16 weeks old, like couldn't figure out a diet for her that didn't make her have explosive diarrhea. And so then she basically like went back to my vet in Kansas City and lived with her for like six months as like the vet cat until we found out like a diet that didn't make her like just break shit everywhere 24-7. She didn't really have behavioral issues, just such intense stomach issues. Uh, so then I ended up changing from the food that we did get her consistent with there with that vet because now I have all of them on like food just for cats and she's really pretty consistent and good now, which is nice. Turns out Liza's a boy, but they told me she was a girl and I kept her name on Liza because whatever. So Liza's two. Then I got Matilda and Genevieve who are, they just turned about one. I got them... They came into the family like August 7th of 2019. So they're just, a, but they were like 12 weeks old then. So they're about like one and some change. So I got like eight, two, or wait, no, like seven and a half, two, and then like one, one. And it's boy, boy, girl, girl. Okay. Then I have like a two-year-old dog, Pablo, who we love. So here's the deal. Everyone seems like they're doing good, but they're, I got uh, several things going on. Harry Larry, ever since I switched from an automatic feeder, because I used to have like a feeder that just fed them all the time when it was just Bug the Second and Larry when Liza was away at like stomach vet camp. So ever since I took that away and started feeding them morning and night, Larry has like developed this yowl, like a yowl like you've never seen, like it happens at night. It can happen during the day. But he yowls and yowls. And then he sometimes brings down socks. Uh, but I'm talking like yowling. Like, wow, wow, wow. Like at 3 a.m., all sorts of different times. And there's usually socks. And he'll lay on your face to the point where, like, they can't sleep in the bedroom anymore. Because, like, you can't, like, he wakes you up and lays on your face. So that's Larry. Please don't tell me that all my cats fucking hate me when I get to well, tell you the no, story. Oh, I'm my God. I'm just going to say right now that 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 yowling and bringing socks means that he fucking hates you. No kidding. I'm going to try to get Oh, my God. No, I'm going to try no, to get no. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. I, and then... <laughs> And then Liza, she, Liza just gets like really randomly aggressive with the other cats sometimes. And I don't really know why, but more so than any of the other ones, Liza just gets a little more like, rap, 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 like for no reason, gets a little more territorial. I feel like 
the two younger ones and Larry will like lay in cuddle balls. And then like Liza will do like random cuddle balls with like one at a time. But I just feel like Liza feels like kind of an outsider. Then Matilda's like always fine, always chill, entertains herself, really have no problems with her. She like cutest little tortie you've ever seen in your life. But then Lady G, my little Genevieve, who I love so much, she's a little flame point Siamese and we're really going through it lately. So... She has a lot of anxiety, really wants to hide to the point where, like, if you do let her hide, she'll never come out, like, for a day in her life. So, like, I kind of, like, I she has cat-specific hiding spots meant for her, you know, little, like, cat caves, cat houses, stuff like that. But as far as, like, getting behind a washing machine or someplace that could be dangerous for her, like, I have those, like, they're not accessible for yeah. her. Because she'll literally, like, hide under a couch and not come out for, like, two days. Because she's so, she used to be so timid. So she's more personable now, but... Ever since we got the dog, then we kind of went to New York for like a month, which was, kind of, you know, to go from Texas to New York for like a month. Then we went from New York back here to Texas, but like a different house. So she's experienced like two big, pretty big, you know, changes. And since the dog, like, I noticed she had these like two little bald spots on the back of her knees. And I was like, oh, that's cute. She has like little bald, like a little like pink little spot on the back of her knees. And then... All of a sudden, like last week, she has this like bald spot on her stomach from like, yeah, like licking her stomach. And now she has one on her fucking tail. And she's the most drop dead gorgeous ginger flame point Siamese. I mean, obviously, she's like from a pound and they like found her on a street, but she's just like so stunning. And she's getting these bald spots. So then I read that it could be anxiety. It could be fleas. It could be this. It could be a parasite. But none of my other animals have bald spots or like like chewing on themselves. So we just took her to the vet this morning and TBH, I haven't talked to like my friend who took her to the vet. So like, I don't know, like, and Larry's yelling. I don't know if you can hear really, whatever. So what the fuck is up with this fur fur mowing? I read about it. What is it? Oh my God, that was so overwhelming. Okay, wait a minute. So we've got about 12 things. Let's start with that, that, that one and work backwards. So, uh, in terms of the mowing, there's a couple of different what not a vet, but th- there's a couple of things to look for. Number one is if it's totally symmetrical, if it looks like it is totally symmetrical. So yeah, it's just perfect rectangle on both of them. I mean, th- that it, to me, the first thing that that tells me is anxiety um, because it's, it's kind of an OCD, you know what I mean? It's more of an OCD. Like if it was something like a flea bite, then she would be chewing in that one area where there's a flea, you know, um, or if it was food allergies, maybe food allergies, but doesn't seem like she has it. But the thing is, you guys have gone through a lot of change, you know, you've gone through a bunch of change. So that's probably what's going on with her. And, and it's no mistake that she is the most generally nervous of all the cats. And so she would manifest this kind of anxiety more so than the other cats. But there's plenty of stuff to do for that. You know, I mean, there's don't forget in the absence of your cat being able to say to you, I'm stressed, I'm nervous or whatever. This is the way to do it. Sometimes they act out by peeing in inappropriate places or picking fights or hiding or something like this. So um, one thing that you may want to do is when did you guys move back to Texas? Um, I'm not crying. Ow. It's not your uh, fault. We moved back like 
I know. I just want my cats to be uh-huh. okay. And I feel like they're all like falling apart in this move. So like a month ago. Okay. So that's, that's no time at all for a cat. So the one thing that you might want to do, and um, in the interest of time, I've got videos on this. It's it, it, the concept of base camp, of, of bringing her back mm. and not having her exposed to the entire house right now. Maybe just bring her back, and it could and it could be in a couple of days or a week as you gauge her confidence. You can bring her, but it's this area where it is scent soaked with all of her favorite stuff, right? It's your stuff. It's it's comforters. It's litter box, obviously, and and trees and blankets and whatever. Just things that where she's surrounded by her. Um, if she gets confidence by her from her her little kitten mate or anybody like that. We travel back and forth, but the key to cat confidence or what I call cat mojo is a feeling like they own their territory. And depending on how big the house is, she probably feels like she owns nothing. And so we just want to bring it back and start it again. Um, There's also holistic um, modalities to use with her. I work with flower essence remedies. I've got a whole line. I'd be happy to get you some, but the... Mm. Uh, besides flower essence remedies, a lot of times it's just a matter of, I don't know, there's, I mean, uh, different people say different things about it. But for me, it's about owning the territory. It's about doing some play with her in that territory. Every time a cat pounces on something, Mojo goes bang. You know what I mean? Because they're doing their job. They're doing that raw cat job. Just little things like that. Um, but I think that that's the big thing with her is just it was a lot of space in, in one fell swoop and maybe too much for her so i like that i get base camp love that concept i'm familiar with that concept from how to introduce two cats videos so we'll just kind of go back to a base camp for lady g which i love that idea oh by the way i just want to tell you i think what you're doing is great the the idea that we're not going to give her access to the places where she becomes small whether that's under the bed behind the washing machine in a closet you know, people feel sorry for their cats and they let them just live in the closet. Not okay. It, it, we have to, in the most gentle way possible, challenge forward, especially with the wallflowers like G. It's just about challenging just a little bit every day. But I think I have a good space for her to be in a base camp. Um, I notice some of that. Uh, Matilda really, like, has... I've never had an issue with her behaviorally. She really just gets along with everyone, always entertains herself. My little tortie, she's, people said when I got a tortie, they're like, oh, watch out for her tortitude and all this. Like, she's literally like the friendliest, little, most playful, never has. I just, she's, she's great. So I've, at least I have one with no issues. Liza is kind of have, I'm noticing some aggression issues. There's also some aggression issues around when they eat. I was worried that Lady G was feeling stressed about, you know, eating her food around everyone else. So this last week I thought like, oh, maybe I'll separate her. I I wasn't thinking base camp, but I was thinking like, let me separate her for her breakfast and dinner so she doesn't feel like other people are going to like rush her food. She got so fucking pissed off when I pulled her away from the other cats and took her away from the routine that we normally do to eat. She was like frantic and like just wanted to get out of the room to get back to the like to the table. So then I just let her go and I, you know, brought the food back to the table and was like, okay, sorry, girl. Like I thought you might like it better. Um, but Liza gets really territorial around food. And I noticed sometimes she like really goes for lady G around food time, which I also think stresses lady G out. So what about 
that. Like, does Liza need a safe space where she feels she can be in Dominion so she's not attacking the other one? It's interesting. It's so funny. uh, There's a video that's going out tomorrow, I think. And it's basically about food aggression. And But the idea that I don't think, again, not we want to think about the raw cat. We want to think about that cat who the only time that they're truly solitary is when they're hunting. And when they're, you know, I mean, they'll bring food back to the community a lot of times. But anyway, the point is that I think we tend to think that cats should be okay eating in a cluster. And that's not really part of their natural makeup. They they have a little personal space bubble around food. So the thing is, you don't have to put her in a different room. Just spread out the bowls more. You know, you have four cats, you got four corners, or you got, you know what I mean? Just give them a little more space. I think that that's part of what she wants. Um, but again, moving is incredibly stressful for everybody. Humans, cats, dogs, you know, ferrets, whatever. It, it So... It's. I think she'll settle down over time. Same thing with you saying that she was doing a little slappy slap around everybody. Um, that'll calm down as well. Listen, you got it good, man. You got cats. If if your cats do cuddle balls at any time, you know how many people are jealous of you right now because the most we could ask for, or the best we could ask for, at least at first, is that I don't hate your face, that I just like... I, that that we're, we're, we can tolerate one another, you know. You got oh, yeah. you introduced a dog. You've moved, and 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 you don't have like Tasmanian devil like big balls of fur rolling down the hallway. You're good. I mean, I think you know. Every once in a while, Liza and Larry will get into that because they're both boys and they're both, you know. So is that if anyone ever does get in a fight, it's those two. But they're I mean, like I can count on like one hand how many times they've gotten into it where like the noises were kind of like troubling me. But it was like but, you know, there's never been like blood or like, you know, I have seen a furball or two. But what about that? That's kind of normal, what, isn't it, for two older boy cats? No, or no, no. I mean, I don't think it's a boy girl thing, especially if they were neutered early. It doesn't really play into it that much. But um, if it's kicked up at all since you've moved, you know, part of it is trying to establish a little bit of like, you know, this belongs to me, you know, um, and just trying to work it out. Um, but it, if it doesn't happen consistently enough to call it a pattern then yeah i mean it, it's you know no blood no uh peeing on themselves no trips to the vet it lets you know that it's still under control to a certain degree not that you should let it happen every day but for the most part it's okay yeah it, it's never really i mean i can count on like one hand but uh, so um then if you do if you do have multiple cats and if you are dealing with moving um i one time did have this thing where like my when I had Bug the First and Larry were like they got out of the front door of the house for like literally all of 45 seconds, but just long enough to run by a neighbor's open window who had like three cats sitting in the window. And I'm pretty sure it's like the first time in the in my cat's adult lives that they ever like saw another cat. Yeah. And then for like six days when they got back inside, they had like the most like insane redirected like anger at each mm-hmm. other and like were trying to kill each other like all the time for like six it's like as if they never met like they got out the front door of the house and then when they came back it's like after living together for seven years and being really good friends they just 
hated each other. So that brought me back to some of your videos after not really having to need to see them. This was like back in 2017 when that happened. Um, and then, you know, really since then, I haven't had any major cat behavior issues other than, you know, dealing with a Pan Luke kitten. Um, but now I kind of have been a little bit. And I think that's because of the moving and, you know, a new dog and stuff. So if you do have multiple animals, is it good to like, should they all do base camp of their own in a new space? If if two of them get like, I do feel like Lady G and Matilda, at least Matilda, I feel like soothes Lady G. Like, I feel like she does get a little bit more confidence from having her little buddy base there. Base camp is always better when moving. Um, and I don't think as long as the cats are not, you know, really getting on each other's nerves and the room is big enough, you can have a base camp for everybody. Um, and then they tell you when they're ready to start exploring the rest, you know, they don't want to be kept in that room. They want to, they, they, they want to explore. They want to do whatever. Now you can start letting them out, uh, piece by piece. One of the things that I really love, um, in terms of one of the base camp things that we, that we do is the idea of base camp expansion, that when you have pieces of furniture and beds and, and, and all kinds of good smelling stuff in, in the base camp, then you just take it piece by piece and start locating it around the rest of the new territory. That way, when a cat walks by an area and there's their scratching post, they scratch the hell out of in base camp and they go, wait a minute, I know that, that's me, I belong here, let's go, you know? It becomes this sort of yellow brick road for them to get into the, the, the territory. And and that's always a great idea. Base camp is the key, man. I I, I really think so. And look, for your guys... They're starting to get used to this, you know, but the thing that you look for whenever you move is does G uh, start to overgroom more? Does uh, Liza start to pick more fights? Does uh, does Larry start to do his yowling more? These are all ways that they could be saying too much, too much, too much. Slow it down, you know? Um, so that's and by slowing it down, it's like, maybe put me like, like, could you maybe put me in a room and let me cool off and have like a base camp for a few days with my own litter box and my own food and just kind of like reacquaint myself in Apparently, here? Apparently, um, but there's the base camp that you establish at first should be a desirable place for them anyway, because it's going to always be like their panic room where it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That makes sense. But what if like, so for now, you know, in my house in Texas, like they already kind of have like an eating schedule and I didn't really establish a base camp for her when I first got here, which was like my bad. So she did kind of, I feel like in retrospect, she kind of made it clear to me. She really liked this one guest bedroom. And then she really liked my office. Those are two places where she was isolating and hiding a lot in our first couple weeks. So I feel like that would be a good place for her because, like, she has scratching posts, she has toys, she has some caves. But I'm worried about the food because she's a big fan of food. She is the most rotund one-year-old baby girl I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. She, But also a little bit of weight loss since we got back to Texas. But again, very possessive and crazy around food. So I don't want her to get stressed out about being in a base camp and not being around the people eating food. So do you think that would be assuaged by me just, like, keeping her in base camp and I'll just bring her food so she doesn't have to worry about it. I, I mean, I, I think to a certain degree and you know, your guys and, and to a certain degree, she'll let you know if, if every time you walk into the room, she shrinks down you can, you're sure that that's not 
you know, her at her best. But the other thing is to remember that a base camp is a place where also your scent is strong. You know, it, it, it's a place where she can remember everything about her territory that is hers and worthy of confidence. Right. And so, you know, just remembering that, I think, is really important that, it, you know, and that's why a lot of times the bedroom is a really good place as long as you block off the bed unders. Um, but a bedroom is a great place because, you know, it is the shared territory and it's not a place where, you know, she's off in a corner of the house, someplace where she can't smell everything that's going on. And by the way, one thing that you sort of touched on is to me, one of the other most important things with cats is setting up rituals, is setting up something where no matter what four walls you're surrounded in, that day after day looks the same, you know, that cats thrive on routine, whether it's the position of the sun and when they, where they lie or the expectation of, of, you know, of being fed something. We, that's the one concession the cats have made for, to us is I live in, my territory is now defined by walls. And so you know, how the human goes about things. We just want to get on the same sort of energetic wavelength, you know, the same circadian rhythm. And I, I think that doing that alone will help in, in terms of moving. You hit New York, you know that their first couple of days is going to suck because it sucks for you. Yeah. It sucks for everybody. We're all stressed out. Okay. In the meantime, we're cool. We got base camp. But then when we start to get back into the swing of things in your house, Think about how, as humans, we have our routines that if our routines are broken, we, we just start our days weird, you know? I have my thing. I know that I have to have the coffee before I can do anything else, right? If I don't, I'm a jerk for the first couple of hours. Ask anybody. Um, with cats, it's that the sun's coming up. I, I know I have to be in, literally, I know I have to be in this bed in the window right here. That's my thing. And then from there, we can start the feeding. We can do all that stuff. That's how important routine is for those guys. So think about that. Yes. I love that story. Okay, we're going to take a really quick break and then we're going to be right back with more Jackson Galaxy after this. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Menace. So right before we got Pablo, like about... A month and some change, I was going through this phase where every morning I was going to give Lady G her morning cuddle. And I feel like she loved it because she was drooling, honey, slow blink, loved it, all about it. Some days it was easier to find her than other days, and it really became a ritual. I loved it. Big fan. Yes. Then we got Pablo. Then it's like he if you if if like if he hears you looking for the cat, he really wants to come out of his little like sleepy time kennel. And so it like became harder to do like our morning Lady G moment. Um, and really that kind of got born out of like Lady G was antisocial. So I wanted to start off every day with her like having a fun little, you know, social moment. You, so yeah. this is big. Is that why she's this, is that why she's power meow, meow, meow licking holes because I'm not doing the morning cuddle. But then my friends <laughs> say that she hated it. And so that we shouldn't do it. Well, listen, and now I don't know. Okay, well, let's back up. Why would your friends say that she didn't like it? Because she's skittish and antisocial. No, no, but when you did the cuddles, 
She was. She liked of it. Of course she liked it. So here's the thing. We, we just hit it, right? I'm not saying this is everything, but I'm saying this is great to bring back. First of all, Pablo can hang in his crate for a little bit longer. Crates are dens. They're not punishment. You know that. He's fine. Keep him in there and go back to doing your routine with her. And I am sure it's going to make a difference. She starts her day with a little burst of routine and rhythm and love and and timber and all that. And, and then she can start her day at a little mojo six instead of a mojo three. And that can help her get through her days. Pablo can wait. Yeah, because it really is something, like, aside from the movie, like, she used to have, like, her own little timer every morning, and she doesn't anymore, and I've been thinking maybe that's what it is, but then when I said that to my little baby, you know, team, they were like, no, she hates cuddles, like, she probably likes that you're not doing that every morning anymore. No, she listen, she's telling you, right, don't listen to anybody else, listen to her, and if she is drooling and loving and mm, and whatever, she's not hating it, she's loving it, and and... And just one thing, though, is that it's never one thing, right? This is just one thing that we can give her to bring her up a little bit. It's not because yeah. we took it away that she's over grooming. It's a whole host of things that I think are playing into that. Okay, next thought. This is not exactly where we were going, but just generally. Because I know that we had said earlier that we don't judge other people, uh, other cat people, because everyone's just doing their best and stuff. And I agree with that, except... Uh-oh. What do you think about people who have outside cats, like hybrid outside inside cats? I I, I mean, listen, I'm not a big fan. Um, I I do think it's a parenting choice that you just have to realize that. Yeah, look, in a perfect world, cats would be indoor outdoor. Cats would have the challenges and the hunting sort of opportunities and whatever from the outdoors, but. But we're in a different world now, and there's so many ways for your cat to die out there, and and it there really is a, a choice to be made, and I would prefer that the choice be you keep your cats in. If you own a house, think about building a catio because catios rock. I've got the best catio in the world, and just n not really, but I love it, and my cats love it, and there's no way on God's green earth that we could have seven cats and three dogs without that big catio. But my cats are safe. They're not going to go out there and fight with other cats and, and get disease from that. They're not going to come back. They're not going to not come back at all because uh, they got hit by a car uh, or picked up by a hawk. We got hawks everywhere. Um, and they're not going to kill the songbird population, which by the way, I mean, the numbers have been wildly inflated uh, about how many birds cats kill, but why make them public enemy number one? People poison cats because they don't want them eating the birds. Why? Why would we do that? We don't have to. We don't have to. And so you brought up Cat Mojo, which we love. Can you give us like in two sentences, like what Cat Mojo is? I mean, it, 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 we've talked about it a, a bunch. So in a nutshell, it's what I was talking about in terms of the raw cat. Cats have this very straight line between their ancestors and right now, whereas dogs really don't because we selectively bred the hell out of them. Um, but with cats, what they wanted then to a certain degree is what they want now. The hunt, catch, kill, eat and ownership of territory. Right. And we can provide that in in inventive ways. Right. We can still keep our cats indoors, but enrich their environment, give them 
vertical space to explore so they can get their sort of, you know, Lion King vibe going. They can, uh, we, we present them with interactive play so they're hunting. Uh, we, we give them visual access to birds through the windows. We keep them going and, and we just, there's a lot of different ways to get cats to feel like they own their space. And, and routine was one of them. Every day I get up and I, and I go here, 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 and here. I follow the sun like a sundial around the house. I have beds in each place. Ownership. And if, you, if we go to respecting the raw cat, understanding the raw cat, and giving ownership... That's mojo. Mojo is when your cat walks around the space, right? The tail held high, like, hey, what's up? You know, this is mine. I belong here. I don't have to fight you. I don't have to, you know, any of that. I own it. And I think that that's really important. And everything that I do is based around that concept. Okay, I'm obsessed with that. I love that so much. What do you... What would you say that, you know, because as you are someone who was not originally a self-professed cat person and now you're, you know, one of the best cat slash dog parents around, um, what are the things that have surprised and delighted you about cats and continue to surprise and delight you that would be enticing for someone to get into the fight, as Elizabeth Warren says, about like helping to protect and give homes to and voice to cats all over. Yeah, that's, thank you for asking that. I mean, honestly, one of the things that I'd loved, I mean, from a personal standpoint, I loved to be presented, and I feel this way with humans too, where there's mystery involved and I have to, I have to work to get to know you and, and, Everything is not just laid out for me. And that's cats are those guys for me. There's, there's so many layers to them. And I think part of that is, you know, strange cat in a strange world that, 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 that process of domestication has, has taken a long time for us to even get a hold of. And, and, and in that respect, I love advocating for them, uh, in that way as well. That, you know, a lot of people are not good with mystery and they're not good with getting to know and having to work and compromising. But that's why I just wanted to put it out there that it's it's fun to have a being in your house that's not who you thought they were, uh, that you have to discover, that you have to, you know, work in a way, but but in a rewarding way. I mean, everyone knows what it's like to have a good relationship and a good relationship means you gotta, you gotta put yourself aside and make it about somebody else. And I'm not saying that's not the case for dogs, God knows, but that's part of it. But I just, and the, in the, in the part about advocacy is that once you get to know who a cat is, as opposed to who you want them to be, there is, they are the under, uh, the undercat. They are the ones who have been fighting for respect for so long. And we're still killing way, way, way too many of them. And way too many of them are being born in our streets. And there are tens of millions of them in our streets. And, and we can advocate for them in ways that are not hard. It doesn't take a lot to take action for these guys. And that's what Cat Camp is all about. I mean, whether we're doing it in person or now doing it virtually, it's about taking the most casual, cat-curious person and 
and letting them know that you can do this much and save a shit ton of lives, you know, and, and, uh, and also at the same time, just letting people know the cats are cool, especially men, by the way. I mean, let's just put that out there. The whole guys are about dogs. Women are about cats. The whole, uh, I, if I'm fighting anything, it's the stereotype of the crazy cat lady. Um, and expanding it out, the best thing that somebody can do is, is, you know, especially if you're breaking that stereotype of a cat person, take pictures of yourself with your cats, put it out there, let people know that this is not what you think it is. Just because you have a cat doesn't make you the crazy cat lady. Yes, you can have cats and still have dates. You know what I mean? Like it, they're, those little barrier breaking things are crucial. They really are. And I think they are just such an unnecessary thing that keeps people held back. Those like societal stereotypes of like who has cats. It, it, it really is. That part is it's just so aggravating. What are some of the things that cat curious people can do outside of getting, you know, following you on YouTube and and whatnot? But what are some of the things that even if we have folks in our life who have like just gotten a cat, they've been cat curious, they like and they maybe they didn't. They haven't done as much research as they should have done. What are some of the things that people can do to best set themselves up for success at their new cat home providers? Well, I mean, prepare your, you know, just just learn a little bit. And again, that's, I hope if I've done anything over the years, it's that is just to give you the, in the, in the most easy sort of bite-sized way to teach you what a cat is. And, and then that way, when they come into your home, you know, you're always good. There's always that period of discovery and adjustment for everybody. Anytime you bring someone new into your house, but I think it, at least you've got a leg up, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> so in these last, you know, four months or no, I mean, how, I, I have no sense right? of time it's like anymore. Six months, COVID now, right? Six, seven. Yeah, months COVID nineteen is yeah, it's changed everything. So how has cat behavior has that changed some of the issues that have come your way? Uh, and how has like adoption and trap, neuter, and return practices? How has all of this? just industry been affected by COVID. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been a cluster for sure. And, and, um, I saw it the second that the lockdown started happening, that people started going crazy about their cats and cats started going crazy about the people. And that's the same reason we started getting crazy about the people in our lives. Cause we were overexposed to each other and all of a sudden we're like get out of my space and again going back to cats owning territory they're like whoa, whoa wait you leave the house i own the house and then you come back to the house and now we're all surrounded you got humans and dogs and cats and kids and whatever all jammed into the same space and a lot of stuff happens um and it was funny because that's that's what led to we did a special episode of my cat uh about a month ago or something based solely on that on the fact that cats were freaking out because we were there was even a story where like there was a family kids this 18 year old comes home from college 
And the cat's so freaked out because the kid's home 24-7 playing his music at mock volume. And the cat jumps out a second-story window to get away. You know, breaks his paw, but he's cool. He's gone. And they get him back in. And all the kid could say was like, well, I guess he doesn't like rap music. And they're like, hold on. It was his place. You came home. You know what I mean? A little respect. But honestly, oh, wow. I could get off on this. I'm not going to get off. That's fine. But... um I think in general, um, oh, I just went like that. In general, uh, I think we just have to remember again that having an animal in your world, they are your cat family, they're your dog family. We need to treat them not as nuisances and we have to make allowances for what their needs might be. And during this time, man, I'm telling you, and it has not been easy on any of us uh, you know, I mean, you know, you're like me. I mean, my life was about traveling. I have never, ever, I've been married for six years. We've known each other for eight years. I've never been home for more than two months at a stretch. And here we've been, you know, locked down for as long as we have. It's challenging. And it's challenging with animals as well. We've had things come up in our home with our dogs, uh, with the cats, things that were totally unexpected. But it's overexposure, you know? We've just been around each other a lot. Oh, you asked me about TNR. That was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, how, uh, have, the, have, those, have those efforts been completely yes. hampered by COVID? Yeah, absolutely. They- we got screwed uh, when kittens – don't forget, kitten season was the same time as the lockdown. So vet offices and, and high-volume spay-neuter clinics shut down. The shelters shut down and and all of a sudden we had no place trappers had no place to bring the, the the cats that they were trapping to to neuter and bring back to their colonies we got we got a whole sort of generation of kittens who were born out there and in places like los angeles we could not afford that so no no, no it was it's it's hardcore we're open again for business uh people freaking stepped up I mean, the adoption numbers have gone through the roof. Foster numbers have gone through the roof. We've emptied out a lot of shelters. I'm a little concerned about what's next, right? Because now we're in financial insecurity and what's going to happen with all the animals that we adopted. But that's our next challenge. And, you know. How can people get involved with, you know, TNR programs or volunteering? And and if someone is thinking like, well, I really can't be a cat parent right now, but I do have some time I can give and I do have some, yeah. how can people get started? Again, uh, that's why Cat Camp is here. And, and it's it's something where we're using this opportunity right now as uh, going virtual to speak to a bigger audience. We're not just in New York anymore. And, and the idea is what can I do in my community for my community's cats? And, it, and, and again, it doesn't have to be this huge bite out of your life. It could be very, very simple. Uh, groups that do trap, neuter, return, they need people to just drive the cats to the clinic. They need people to just put newspaper in the traps and bait the traps. They just need help of any kind. And that includes money. You know, the best way to do it is to do the research yourself. Anywhere you guys live, there's somebody there who's caring for the community cats. Find them. Just find them. And, and how can I help? 
Um, the, one of the things that drives trappers crazy, and I can tell you this because this is my world, is when somebody says, man, I've got about four or five cats and now we've got kittens in the yard and blah, blah, blah. Come and help me. No, no, no. You, if you care, which I swear, I hope everybody does, and you've got a mom and her kittens in your front yard, you got to learn. We can teach you. We can absolutely teach you. It's painless. You can get traps. You can figure it out yourself. We will help you every step of the way. But if you ask us to do it, you're asking a lot. These are people who care for yeah. 20 colonies every single day. You know, just figure out how you can widen your circle just a little bit, which again is hard during this moment, but you, we're seeing how people are more and more willing to take action about a number of different things these days. But you know, as we say in cat camp, you can start small. I love that. And, and just getting proactive. I think that's so great. So last few minutes, like to, I have, I wanted to do some rapid fire shit, which wasn't it. planned, but I talked to you so fucking much. I go, um, city kitties, Toilet training. Yes, no. No, don't do it. Don't toilet okay. train your cats. Okay, litter robots. I'm not a fan. You know what I mean? You. Why? I fucking love it. Course, My house smells great. I know everybody loves them, but there's always that chance that Lady G, let's say, just for instance, who goes in there, suddenly there's a sound, maybe a little bit of a malfunction, something like that. She steps out, all of a sudden, flushy flush. It's a little bit like this to her. That means she's going to stop using it. And I just, it's one of those things, man, where it's like, you got cats, you got litter boxes, you know? And also the one other thing about that, same with toilet training, just, woo, woo, just hold on, is you want to know what's coming out of your cats. If you're walking- You can still see no, it. you can't, it's gone, man. It gets flushed. Yes, you can. Oh, stop. No, it's all up in there. You see it down the thing. I know you don't want to hear this. I, I don't know you want to hear this. I, I, just me, just me. I like boxes. No, I, I, I hey, you know what? I can't make the rules. This is rapid fire. You're giving me honest answers. I like that. So <laughs> obviously, uh, wet food, dry food, obviously. Wet. If yes. You, yeah. And- no, tell me no, more. No, I was going to say, I mean, in the hierarchy, uh, a raw diet is the, the best thing in the world. Uh, Grain-free, wet, any kind of wet, dry, down at the bottom. Don't feed your cats dry food. This is a really rapid fire, it's, but I do think it might be one of my last questions. Um, other, Well, actually, I have two more. So, you know how they say, like, oh, what type of cat is that? It's like, and like, and I'm like, well, it's, they're all just like short-haired ones. Like, you know, Genevieve's like a flame point. Siamese, that's just like her pattern. They're all still like cats. Yeah. Like, is a Savannah cat different than like a short-haired cat is different than like one of those like breeder, like Dutch apple head cats? Like, or are they all just cats? I mean, in as much as dogs are just dogs, I mean, there's, there's, there's something that connects everybody and humans are just humans. But I think, for instance, you said Savannah. That's those guys, Savannah's, Bengals, uh, Pixie Bobs, and the ones that are uh, hybrids. Um, that, that's a different animal, meaning that they're so in touch with their raw cat that they present problems, I think, sometimes, depending on how close they are uh, in, in generation. You know, I got to be honest, I think being uh, a rescuer and a shelter worker for as long as I have been, I'm not a fan of cat breeding. Ooh, I'm going to get in trouble. But I got to be honest, I, let's take a break, you guys. 
we, we got, we got a lot that are dying right now. Let's get them all homes and then we can think about it again. Uh, we're looking at a world right now where dog overpopulation could be over soon in the next 10 years, even less dog overpopulation. We can look at responsible breeding cats. We're not there, man. We have not rounded the corner. Um, so let's get them all homes first. Ah, you didn't want me to do yeah. that, but, but you know. No, I think that's so valid. I think that's such a, I mean, I, I have been someone who's always been a cat rescuer. I've always very much judged people who are like, I got like, and like on the, I have had a lot of clients over the years when I was doing hair that were like, cause they knew I was a cat person. I was like, Oh my God, I adopted this. But like, they were, you know, a lot of like breeder cats. And I was always like, Oh, cool. Good for you. But like, I never like was, I've always obviously seen the problematic nature of that. And I also think people will often, when I've seen people criticize other people for having like adopted animals online, or, you know, shop, not adopted, sh bought, shopped for like, mm -hmm. you know, bred ones. It's like, well, maybe they weren't a candidate for a rescue animal. You don't know. And I'm like, that is also really problematic language because that's implying that rescue animals are somehow more wild or untrainable or. Yes, or more likely to attack or whatever, which is also not true. Yes. So I think it's it's one thing to say, like, look, I understand that, you know, hundreds of thousands of animals are euthanized every year. And even in light of that, like, I want to make this decision to, like, shop for the breed that I want. And if that's what you're going to do, that is but you should own that mm -hmm. and not say, well, I wasn't a candidate for this or I didn't want to take the, because it is such, I do think that, like, so I'm on your team on that down with it. I'll double down it's on it. Good, yeah. You know, I mean, and, and that's, I think it's really, you know, I think especially if anyone has a right to say that you are day in and day out seeing the consequences of folks who choose to shop over by when you have seen and so you know many what? animals. Honestly, as we're talking, I, I think to myself, like, what's the most, unifying thing I can say. And the the most unifying thing I can say, obviously you love cats, even though you're, you're, you're buying, there's a way to offset your cat carbon footprint. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to do that, spend the same amount of money and get it over to your, your local rescue organizations, your TNR organizations, just like you're saying, own the fact that you are taking a bit. And, and and do that and give and just own it. You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. Not the cat, but you know what I'm saying. Oh, I like that. Jocks and Garlic Food, I love you so much. So where can people sign up for the for Cat Camp? And basically, people need to follow your Instagram and your YouTube. Uh, yes, just follow all that stuff, but go to catcamp.com. It's free, you guys. It's free. We're not charging you for anything. Come by, learn some stuff and and prizes. And me and the kitten lady are there. Uh, we're doing a little. Oh, my God. You're friends with I love the kitten well, of lady. Of course we're yeah. friends. We're very, very close friends. I'm obsessed with her ducky. <laughs> we're doing a little AMA between us. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, and like I said, it's free. And you're going to learn something. And, and, and look, advocacy is nothing to fear, you guys. You can do it, too. Oh my God, Jackson Galaxy, you were uh, the best. I uh, love you so much more than I already did. Um, thank you so much. You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Van Ness. My guest this week was Jackson Galaxy. He's a cat behavior expert, the host of Animal Planets, My Cat from Hell, and co-founder of Jackson Galaxy's Cat Camp, which will stream live for free through catcamp.com on September 26th. 
You'll find links to his work in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. Our theme music is Freak by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. If you enjoyed our show, introduce a friend and show them how to subscribe. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at CuriousWithJBN. Our socials are run and curated by Emily Bosick. Getting Curious is produced by me, Erica Ghetto, Emily Bosick, Chelsea Jacobson, and Colin Anderson. 